the pressure of the big moment has has like never really got to me necessarily. Uh, I mean, just whenever, you know, I step out on that field, you know, there's no butterflies in my stomach, you know, there's no nerves racking. Uh, there's none like that. And that's just kind of how I've always been you know, growing up. And uh, it definitely helps being quarterback if you don't get rattled by external factors because, you know, your team looks at you at every, every situation, every moment, and, you know, your presence and your demeanor you're giving off is, you know, how, what they're going to feed off of. So I think that's important. Welcome to 90% Mental and the In and Out of the Pocket podcast series with all pro quarterback Jake the Snake Plumber and mental performance coach Grant Parr, where the mental game is discussed and discovered by the best quarterbacks and offensive-minded professionals in the business. From overcoming adversity, celebrating mental wins, to actionable mental skills strategies, and more, you'll learn how to mentally navigate in and out of the pocket. Today in the pocket, Jake and Grant sit down with Chase Garbers, UC Berkeley starting quarterback, to discuss what makes up his mental game and what drives him to win on and off the field. Chase shares with us how he utilized his red shirt year to better understand the system and how he embraces pressure in big games. So keep a lookout for this talented quarterback as he leads the Cal Bears to compete for the Pac-12 championship. ReadyList Sports is the future of sports playbooks with its digitized integration of multiple learning styles that helps coaches teach better and players learn more efficiently. Engineered by former professional quarterbacks, ReadyList Sports' revolutionary play drawing tool will save coaches countless hours creating plays. ReadyList Sports also provides the players accessibility to study their playbooks using the ReadyList Sports app for iOS and Android. It's like having the playbook in your pocket. The best part of ReadyLists are the auto-generated tests the players take after studying that help ensure retention of your plays. Now let's all huddle up and go visit ReadyListSports.com. Welcome back to the In and Out of the Pocket podcast with Jake the Snake Plumber and myself, Grant Parr. We are really excited to bring this show to you because we're, we're just going to interview quarterbacks, quarterback coaches, OCs, head coaches, to talk about the mental game. And when Jake and I started talking about having this show, we were just really interested on on getting inside the minds of, of football players and understanding the mental game, not only in the pocket, but outside of the pocket. So we're really, really excited to have, you know, have you listening and tuning in. And, and Jake, how you feeling, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's a good time to have a podcast and the tech we have developed these days you can do a podcast from home which is safe with the uh quarantine and all that so uh like you said though man it's fun to have successful football players i know we're focused on coaches and quarterbacks but we've uh, opened it up even to a few other that other positions other players that we're not are not quarterbacks but today i'm excited man you've got a great guest lined up so i'll let you intro him and uh looking forward to just taking it giving something to the fans and listen to something they might be able to use in their own lives. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, I, I want to share our, our guest today. And the last couple of years, uh, I think we all have had the honor to, to watch him 
just perform and just uh, and just hustle out on the football field. And and being a Bay Area native and growing up watching Cal Berkeley um, has always been a treat. So I've seen incredible teams, coaches, and quarterbacks come throughout this program. And today we have Chase Garbers, who's starting quarterback for Cal Berkeley. How you doing, Chase? I'm good. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Right on. Right on. Well, let's get into it. I, I um, you know, I'm always fascinated. Well, there's a lot of things that fascinate me, but when it comes to transition, like when you have to get into a, you know, into a new team or transition from high school to to college, which is a big, big jump. So I'm kind of going to go back to the beginning of your, the infancy stages of, of going to Cal. So when you chose to take your redshirt freshman, uh, when you, or redshirt when you were a freshman, uh, how instrumental was that for you to transition to the culture, college life, and, and learning the system? I think it was huge from a, from a learning, the, learning the system standpoint. Uh, I mean, you're 18, 17, 18 years old, walk into a college program where, you know, where everyone's 20, 21, 22 years old. So you're obviously at a disadvantage physically and mentally as well. I mean, the jump from high school to college football is huge just from, you know, a playing standpoint and mental standpoint. So taking a redshirt year was definitely very, a very key part in my development. I can think back, uh, you know, coming in as a freshman myself into the Pac-10 at the time. That's how old I am. You're a young buck and uh, it's the Pac-12 now. So uh, I know that back when I came out of high school, it was a little bit different environment. Um, there weren't, you know, 500 QB gurus spread out, QB gurus spread out around the country, working with kids, teaching them how to read defenses and, and knowing what fronts were. I didn't even front. I didn't know what a front was. Those were the D linemen that were trying to get me. So when I got to college, it was definitely uh, eye-opening to understand the complexities that go into football, not not just one single safety or two safeties, but actually reading defenses, knowing where guys were dropping, what zones they had covered. Um, all in all, when the ball snapped, you react and play, go on muscle memory. But how big of an adjustment was that for you going from high school where, man, you were smoking hot, dude, 90 TDs to 10 interceptions in your high school career. That's insane numbers. So how was that adjustment going from high school to college? I know you play in an area where there is some talent. I played in Boise, Idaho, where, you know, there was a little bit of talent. But how, how big of a jump was that? And uh, what was the biggest mental hurdle you had to get over? Uh, it was a huge jump. Uh, in high school, you know, everybody lines up how they're going to play it and they get to college and, you know, what you see pre-snap is way different than what you're going to see post-snap. So I, I think just the post-snap reaction to, you know, working the play out on the fly and kind of reacting off how the defense ends up in coverage was definitely a huge hurdle for me. So I remember like my first two days of fall camp in uh, 2017 when I first got there, I'm like, my head's spinning. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like the safety was just about to blitz and it lines up playing half the half, half defense. And I'm like, oh geez. So I think that was the huge, that was a huge mental hurdle for me. My, uh, my first year. You know, Chase, we talk a lot on the show about pressure. Um, you know, all three of us being quarterbacks, you know, we, we embrace that pressure and we, we know it's part of the role and, and being part of that, being the quarterback, we're responsible to steer the ship going in the right way. So whether if it's like third and 15 or there's 
20 seconds left on the game and everybody's looking at you to win the game, or it's an hour away before you're playing the Pac-12 championship game, right? So all these pressurized situations, uh, how do you deal with pressure? Like, what's your relationship with pressure? Uh, Honestly, like, ever since I've been playing football, the pressure of the big moment has, has, like, never really got to me necessarily. Uh, I mean, just whenever, you know, I step out on that field, you know, there's no butterflies in my stomach. You know, there's no nerves racking. Uh, there's none like that. And that's just kind of how I've always been you know, growing up. And uh, it definitely helps being quarterback if you don't get rattled by external factors because, you know, your team looks at you at every, every situation, every moment. And, you know, your presence and your demeanor you're giving off is, you know, how, what they're going to feed off of. So I think that's important. Totally. And you, you can see it in your play, man. Like you're, like it seems like you thrive in those moments of of those pressurized moments. And and I, I have a not a funny question here, but it is in lieu of connecting to pressure. But what do you? What's more pressure, playing in the Pac-12 or actually going to school at UC Berkeley? Um, <laughs> I would probably. <laughs> um, they're both pretty up there but uh school there's definitely a lot of pressure at cal uh just because you know you're there with you know the best students of the best students in the country and in the world and you know there's 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 some points in class where you're some some person's talking you're like how in the world did they think of that (laughs) and you know at those moments right there you you kind of you look to yourself and you're just like geez like i'm really in this class right now so kind of a little bit of both. Got it. <laughs> hey, I want to I want to take it back a little before we I dive into a little bit more of uh, you know football and your current situation. But when when did you start playing football? And I want to know what other sports did you play, and then what was your favorite sport or is your favorite sport? Um, so I started playing football. Ever since I can remember, probably started in my second grade, playing tackle football, uh, whatnot. Uh, and then kind of growing up, I kind of I dabbled in every other, you know, sport you could think of from soccer to, you know, beach volleyball growing up in Newport Beach to I even played a little bit of hockey, baseball. I mean, kind of all over the place uh, growing up and then got to high school and just kind of focused on football and I played basketball as well. Uh, but I've always had a passion and love for football. I, I mean, I, I didn't start playing quarterback to like eighth grade seriously, uh, like taking it really seriously. I, you know, youth football, I played, I played corner, I played linebacker, I played tight end, just kind of, yeah. you know, wherever, you know, the, the spot was needed. So I was kind of always on the more physical side. Uh, and I don't know, just something about football always kind of stuck with me. Um, the physicality of it, I guess. You know, I, I, I like about it, but uh, so so take me back then, because I, I, I know right when I had a, my dream of what I wanted to do when I was a kid, and you know, just some young little whippersnapper out of Boise having a dream to to play in the NFL someday. What is your most sought after dream that would you know be a desire, a dream, a, a the biggest, most amazing thing you could ever accomplish while you're here on earth. What is that? Um, well, the biggest dream is playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that was, yeah. you know, growing up, you know, watching like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady early on in his career, 
being a little kid and just be like, I want to do that one day. Uh, I remember vividly the moment when I kind of realized like, oh, I want to play college football and the professional was the Rose Bowl between uh, USC and Texas. And growing up, if you're from Southern California, you're either a USC or UCLA fan. And my parents just happened yeah. to be on the USC side. So watching that game, I was heartbroken as a little kid. And I was like, I want to do that one day. I want to be in that position and I want to play at that level and beyond. That's awesome. That's uh, that's when my little dream about playing in a Super Bowl was born when I was about eight years old. So you're on your path, man. I hope it get. I hope you get there, and uh, along the way, you're gonna learn some lessons. Uh, but I think that you're on the way. You're on the right path. So good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, speaking of that, you know, I was talking to Jake before the show, and uh, last night and this morning, I was spending some time watching your 2019 highlights. And, and I, I want to thank you for that because since, you know, the pandemic, like there's no sports and just watching you, just watching you just go off last year, man, it just made me realize not how much I, I miss football, but I just miss sports. So it was, um, it was really cool to see, see you dominate last year. And as the more I was watching you and I was talking to Jake about this is like your, your game is very similar to Josh Allen. And, and I only say that too, because I'm a B- Buffalo Bills fan. But just the way that you you throw the ball, the way you run the ball, there's just like all these similarities that I see. But I also see that you you command such poise and everything's like effortless the way you play. And I'm impressed that you're the way that you're so disciplined with your reads, the way that um, the way you run out your fakes, everything is just calculated, but it seems very together and disciplined. So when you get to that point where everything just looks effortlessly like the way that you're playing, how much do you focus on like visualizing your performance so you can just trust it and just, and just be free out there on the football field? Visualization is pretty key as a quarterback. I think Um, uh, my former quarterback coach, who's now our tight ends coach, uh, coach Marcus to who played in the, in the league for a little bit would always, you know, get honest about visualization and, you know, having him in the QB room as a young quarterback was obviously huge in my development. So I think, you know, just taking that step of visualization, you know, before game, like the day before a game or after practice or before practice, when you get the script of what you're going to go through, uh, it's definitely huge uh, for a quarterback to where you could just go out there, you know, eyes closed and perform, you know, to your highest ability. Yeah, visualization is one thing that as a quarterback you have to you have to utilize to your advantage. Funny thing about for me visualizing the play, I couldn't do it if I just sat down and looked forward because it's not how you face a defense when you're dropping back, go through your read. So I'd have to turn my head, my chin to my left shoulder so I could, like I was dropping back and going looking downfield. That was the only way I could visualize. So I don't know if you do that, but that's how I got it done, man. And uh, there's only so much time in a day, though. How, how, how about uh, – I'm very intrigued by leaders and leadership styles and, and how – especially when you talk leaders on a football team, you have to have a quarterback be the leader. There's no way, no how that a QB can't be the leader and basically the leader of the team. And I'm, I've, I understand, you know, last year you guys started out hot, then you got hurt. You came back and finished hot. So this Cal team, obviously, 
responds to you, uh, you know, especially even the MVP of the Red Fox Bowl. Just, but I'd like you to describe your leadership style and, and how, do you, uh, how do you motivate your teammates during you know, tough times or tough practice or when no one's watching? I've always been a more so lead by example uh, type of leader more than a rah-rah vocal guy. Uh, that's just kind of how I've always been uh, as a person. So, you know, the guys really respond off, uh, you know, how you play and how you act around certain people in certain situations. So, I mean, a lot of those guys have seen me do three off seasons, you know, how, you know, how seriously I take, you know, the weightlifting program and conditioning and just kind of setting that example of who we should be as a team and who we should be as people uh, is definitely what, you know, our guys thrive off of. Uh, and then, you know, one of the things I've kind of learned uh, just being around older leaders and coaches and whatnot is, you know, to lead, you don't need to yell or be so much rah-rah, like, and start cursing and let's do this, let's do that. You know, you just talk to a man-to-man and just kind of be personable with, you know, whoever you're talking to or the group you're with. And, you know, that tends to go a long way in terms of leadership. I believe I believe that leaders have to be authentic and genuine in that, that regard, like you said, be yourself. Um, I like to hear that you say lead by example because there's no one better than to set the tone than the quarterback. So keep up that good work because it's obviously your team responds to you. And, uh, you know, what you did last year, minus the injury against my Devils, I'm sorry about that. I, I was watching that game and I hate seeing people get hurt. So, you know, but the, the, I think the Devils don't win that game if you don't get hurt. But anyway, how did you mentally deal with being out for those five games and you guys went four, you lost four of those five. How did you mentally deal with that? And was there a moment where you almost felt like you were like, you were a ghost? Because I know when you get injured, you kind of sometimes get forgotten because you're not in the huddle, you're not down on the field, you're not right with everybody. So describe that. How did you deal with the rehab? And then did you feel like you got ghosted a little bit when you were hurt? Uh. No, I never felt ghosted, but I'll start with the, the rehab side of it. Um, obviously, you know, I got hurt, found out, you know, about 10 minutes after, you know, what happened and all that. So I was frustrated for about yeah. for about five minutes before I came back out onto the field against ASU and was on the sideline talking to everybody. Um, but, yeah, I just, you know, and then the next day talking with the training staff and the doctors and – uh, they were talking about the normal recovery time for a collarbone. I was like, okay, well, I, I want to be back playing by this week. We put a set date, and we worked really hard. Myself and the training staff you know, worked really hard to get me back by this date. And they'll still tell you today that this is the fastest collarbone recovery they've ever seen where you – Wow. Where we had a bye, but I was able to, I was able to play after five weeks which is a uh, pretty remarkable wow. timing. And it actually worked out in our seat in our schedule where we had two buys in those five weeks. So it was actually beneficial, you know, to get hurt at that time. If I were to get hurt, uh, as far as feeling like a ghost, um, not at all. Um, I was, uh, you know, my offensive coordinator and our head coach, you know, we're very, I told him, like, I want to be at every practice. I want to be right behind Devon Monster, who was playing at the time. I want to be 
next to him in the huddle. I, I want to be right next to you on the sideline. If you're, if you're calling the plays, like I want to be as involved as I could be, you know, being hurt. And, you know, we made it happen. I missed, missed like two practices cause I had surgery during the week uh, leading up to the Oregon game. And that was it. And I was there for every practice. You know, I would, you know, I would make sure during all the team periods I'm with Devon, I have the wristband on, I'm looking at the signals, you know, going through footwork stuff, trying to stay engaged. And, you know, if he has any questions, you know, to just, you know, give him the answer and lead him in the right direction, uh, which I think was huge coming back and, you know, playing the rest of the year is just trying to like stay mentally engaged. Cause I mean, a lot of people, if they get hurt, they can just kind of, you know, blow it off and, you know, they just sit on the sideline and kind of look around and they have to come back in and, you know, they drop off at their level of play. But I, I wanted to, you know, excel and keep pushing forward to where we were. There's a lot about you, man, as a leader, for sure. Totally. And I was just going to say, I love that, man, because I've not only have I been on multiple teams throughout my career and also coaching football, I've just I've seen a lot of athletes you know, they just throw in the towel. Whether if it is for a couple of weeks or for the rest of the season, they just kind of disconnect from the connectivity to the team and the culture. And the fact that you put yourself more so in it um, just shows the kind of leader that you are. And it goes back to you leading by example, which is awesome. Now, you talking about you coming back to the season and, and getting over this injury, man, it, it looked like you didn't even have an injury the way that you were playing towards the end of the season, like the way you were running and throwing. It, I couldn't tell at all that there was any collarbone issue. So, so when you had a great comeback, if you will, um, going into the the Stanford game, right, getting the axe back after ten years, you guys haven't had that that axe. What was it like winning that game, getting the axe back, and what was it like getting mentally prepared for that game? Well, I honestly I didn't know I was going to play till the Thursday before the game because I had a concussion against USC. You know, the whole protocol is you got to stay out five days and then you got to take the test. So I didn't get cleared to play uh, till that Thursday when we had a walkthrough, basically. So I, you know, had a short, you know, physical preparation, but mentally I was still locked in. You know, we played Stanford last year, kind of similar game plan. So, you know, I was very familiar with what we were going to do against their defense. So really, you know, if I, you know, I, I did have to play and I was ready, I was going to be ready no matter what. Um, but, you know, getting the ax back was awesome feeling. Just, you know, you, you, you shake hands with the other team and you look up and you see every Cal fan rushing the Stanford stadium. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that just, that moment, just looking up and seeing everybody hop the, hop the fence and everyone on the field rushing was you know was something special and it'll go down in the history books and as a you know it's a great win and getting the getting the axe back after 10 years which was huge but just seeing all these cow fans come down just like most of them crying just so happy just you know we really do it for them and you know the cow bear community so it was awesome and then the locker room after was was pretty fun uh definitely everyone was excited especially the seniors who was Never won. This will be their first one. So it was it was a special moment. Beautiful. That's awesome, man. You know, there's in every program, no matter what, no matter when, through history, there's always a, a, a pinnacle moment, somewhat like what you just described, where you win a game, maybe no one gave you a chance, maybe not even people in your own building give you giving you a chance. But 
you as a team believed. And I love you mentioned the seniors, sending them out on a, on a big, you know, on a win like that is huge against your uh, rival. That leads me to ask you this question, which, you know, maybe you've answered it too much already or you don't even want to, but I know you've got to have, be pretty confident going into this season. So what are some of the team goals that you guys have discussed as a team and how, and really how confident are you guys? Cause I mean, you're already, I think pre preseason top 25 ranked and to hear the Cal bears and that kind of talk and that kind of <laughs> light is not common. So how confident are you and what are some, share some of your team goals? Uh, I'm, well, I'm really confident in our, in our team this season um, team goals. Uh, we're, our team goals are to win the Pac-12 North, to win the Pac-12 as a whole and to win whatever bowl game, you know, we're, we're put in. And we have a really good chance this year to, to do all those three things. And um, we return everybody on offense, uh, every, every starter, all 11, and significant role players as well. Uh, defensively, we lose a couple of guys in the back end. Uh, we lose Evan Weaver, which, you know, is, is a huge, yeah. huge loss. But the type of coaches and players we have – in our locker room and in our building is you won't see that big of a drop off in terms of whoever fills that position for Evan. I mean, Evan, yeah, he led the nation in tackles last year and was what second or third the year before. So he's a tackling machine, but whoever fills that role uh, is, is not going to be far from it. You know, um, I'm going to set you up on this, Jake. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the show where we, we're going to start asking you some questions out of the outside the pocket questions, which are, are fun questions here, but but because the way that that you scramble and the way that you run, which I love it, I love it, man. That you just put your shoulder down when you need to and light people up, and I love it. But Jake and I talk about when we get outside the pocket. There's there's this feeling that we get, and we've described it. Him and I've talked about this before. So if you were to describe in one word what you feel when you like get outside the pocket and you do your do your thing. Uh, one word I would say, I would say free. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Freedom, baby. That means that your play is out. Now the coach can't tell you what to do. It balls in your hand, man. Time to make some, <laughs> make some throws. And, and, and speaking of highlights, Grant and, and Chase watching some of your stuff, man, you throw, you, you have, you really have every throw you need. Um, you know, for, for me, when you're a quarterback, you can't think about getting hurt. You can't worry about that. You got to play your game. So my advice is to keep doing that because when you get out of the pocket, you've made some beautiful throws. There's more in there. So keep doing that. And uh, speaking about in the pocket, like Grant set me up, we call it in and out of the pocket because in are some of the questions we've already answered, but the out of the pockets are some that we're going to throw at you that just might not be something you've answered lately or even thought of. So <laughs> I'm going to start with a few. You can answer them real quick, real easy. What's the most unhealthy thing you've eaten recently? <laughs> oh, okay. I got this one. Um, <laughs> so back probably probably about a couple weeks ago when I was back up at Berkeley, uh, me and my buddies, we went, to, um, we went to a Korean barbecue place called uh, Jen out in uh, Concord. Um, so we, we hit that. That's all um, you can eat. You know, we were there for like two and a half hours. Hit that, <laughs> then we went to, uh, and then we went to um, uh, Krispy Kreme. Got probably half a dozen donuts each, and then finished it off with uh, with In and Out on the way back. So that's probably the unhealthy thing I've eaten recently. 
Crushed it. I love well, it. Well, I, I mean, the Korean food and the In-N-Out aren't the worst things in the world, but definitely the Krispy Kremes were, are definitely your most unhealthy thing you've eaten recently. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So if I had said, what do you like to do when you have chill time, other than going out with your boys and eating a bunch of food, what do you like to do when you've got just some time to put all the work in, you've got stuff done, what's your favorite thing to do? Uh, I like to go play golf. I think that's, you know, if I'm not doing anything, you know, go to the range or play nine holes here and there. Very nice. What about the music you're listening to right now? If you had a song, you just like, God, I really want to hear this song. What would you put on? Uh, I'm a big country music fan. Uh, a lot of people uh-huh. give me crap for it, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a big country guy. So that's, that's, that, if you're in my car, you have to get in the country you, playlist. You tell those people that give you any grief for music you like that music is just a choice, but my brain likes. So don't don't be picking on me. All music is good, man. <laughs> you is. rock your country jam. Uh, what's your favorite throw in all of football? What's your favorite throw to make? It could be in and out of the pocket, whatever. What do you like to rip it? Honestly, I like the corner, the slot corner route a lot. And the slot fade, yeah. I think those are, you know, pretty exciting, just of the explosive ability. Very nice. And then my last one, and I'll leave it to you, Grant. Why do you wear number seven? Uh, John Elway, actually. Yeah. Kind of, All right. Cool. Yeah, so <laughs> I used to be a big uh, Denver Broncos fan because good family friends with uh, Mike Shanahan and his family. So I kind of grew up, you know, watching, you know, Shanahan and Elway. All right, man. You, did you catch any of me when I was playing? You were, young, you were a youngster back then. I did. I went to a Denver game. I forgot nice. what year. but Well, you might have seen me throw my favorite throw, which was an outside boot left. We'd run the X receiver on a little stutter, come back and go. That was my favorite throw to make, rolling to my left and, and just winging it out there with some touch, a little juice on it. Mm-hmm. Rolling to your left, throwing it about 45, 50 yards. People didn't think I could do that, but that was my favorite throw. So I'm glad to hear awesome. you like the corner route, though. That takes some anticipatory skills, some placement skills, and it's a high-level throw. So I'm done with my out-of-the-pocket questions. Unless you got some, Grant, go for it. I do, actually. And I will say this with country music. I'm not a country music fan. However, junior college, Brett 2J, my right tackle, actually got me, like, for at least two seasons was listening to country music, man. I mean, a lot. So, so I get it, man. Yeah, I love those offensive linemen, though, right? All right. So I got uh, yeah, yeah. I got some I got some questions here. That I'm just gonna rattle them off really quick, and they're all quarterback questions. So, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you have to say that, right? <laughs> yeah. Being yeah. being Cal Berkeley. Okay. Tom Brady or Joe Montana? Tom Brady. Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. Peyton Manning or Eli Manning? Peyton. Right? Okay, here's here's the deal. Here's the question. SoCal or NorCal? SoCal. (laughs) Sorry, but... I know, right? I got it. I got it. Well, that's all I got, man. I I just want to thank you, man. This has been a a treat for Jake and I, and just kind of getting your mind. I know you're excited. I know we're in some different, different times right now. But uh, we're excited to see you get on the field next year and uh, or next season and, and do your thing. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, the, this is an interesting time we're in, young man. So, you know, you'd be working your butt off no matter where you're at. That doesn't mean uh, I'm sure you're still taking care of business right now, man, and even more so. Just uh, keep your keep your mind focused and on what your dream dream is and your team goals. And, uh, yeah, you guys are due for a big year. I love old Coach Wilcox. I know him, and uh, I'll be keeping my eyes on the Cal Bears and rooting for you until you play the devil. So good luck this year, young man. Thanks for being on the podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you.